0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. One of the things we do to prepare ourselves uh, for what God has planned for us in the new year is that we always set ourselves apart in a time of fasting and prayer. And this upcoming year is going to be no different. And so we're going to set ourselves aside for 21 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, our fast is going to begin on the 2nd of January and go on through to the 22nd. That's 21 days, January the 2nd through the 22nd. And uh, we're setting ourselves aside in in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, uh, of course, we'll be doing teaching on fasting and prayer on the broadcast like we normally do, uh, encouraging you every single day. Um, But people ask all the time, this always happens, uh, so I'll just get a few questions. People are like, well, what about those of us that work a very demanding job? You know, maybe you do a lot of physical labor, manual labor, and uh, it's very, very difficult for you to completely... Uh, do a water fast or something like that for 21 days what we encourage people to do is the 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. also known as the sunrise to sunset kind of a fast uh, where you're not taking anything in throughout the day and then maybe having one meal at night like they did in the book of Judges uh, sunrise to sunset fast 6 to 6 and uh, for those those that are um, you know really working hard manual labor you need your energy you know, we had one time, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, we had a guy in our in our uh, church, we were having a camp meeting uh, in, in West Virginia. And we're all in the middle of the service. And as we're standing there in the middle of the service, I hear this loud crash behind me. And I turn around and it was the middle of a camp meeting and we were filming for television. The guy was up on the platform with a camera, one of the cameramen. And in the middle of the service, he just passes out, like faints, falls off the platform, crashes on the ground in between the pews and is out cold. Like literally, thank God he was okay. He's out cold. And, uh, what had happened? He was on a 21 day fast, but he kept on working out. Like he was working out hard every single day and, uh, he was running miles and miles and miles a day. And that morning he had participated in a marathon, and I think he ran like 20 miles that morning. And so it's like it was like the night service of the camp meeting. His body couldn't handle, obviously, 21 days of fasting plus a 20-mile marathon. So use wisdom. You know, when we're fasting and praying, it's not the time to be, you know, heavily exerting yourself, all that. So if you have to work a job that's very physically demanding, let me encourage you to just uh, do the six-to-six six fast. But... For most of you, uh, you know, you could jump on the fast with us. We're doing liquids. That's juices. It's broth. It's, you know, it's soup broth, you know, juices, whatever. Any kind of liquid, coffee, tea, that kind of thing. We're, not, we're just not eating food uh, for those days. But to help you guys, and I've wanted to do this. This is a big day for me because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. We've got Today is the Day now available The brand new book, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting is uh, now available on Amazon and uh, you can get the, you can place your order for the paperback copy. Uh, The ebook will be available in just a few days, but if you order this, I believe today you'll have it just by the very beginning of the fast. Uh, I have one that's arriving tomorrow. Uh, And so here's what you want to do. If you want to get the book. You can always go to shop.miracleword.com. Don't order it right now from our website because it'll take longer, but we have a link at the very top of the product page that will take you to the amazon.com store and you'll get it, especially if you're in a prime member, if you're a prime member, you'll get it within a couple of days, but um, I've got one coming tomorrow for me and uh, you can have yours before the fast begins. This book uh and you can come back to me this book is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time and I'm not you know I'm not joking when I say a complete guide to biblical fasting I wanted to cover everything I could about fasting and um there are other books written on fasting um but in all the study that I've done all the research that I've done nothing has been exhaustive meaning uh, either it's been written from a slant of some purpose or another for fasting, uh, or it's just not been, there's not the full, uh, the full story. So we cover everything in the Bible about fasting, um, and we deal with lengths, we deal with what it truly is, we deal with frequently asked questions, uh, we deal with the Daniel fast, we deal with total fast, uh, the, the health benefits of fasting. I've got an amazing Amazing. Thank you, guys. People are ordering it right now. Thank you. Um, I've got amazing chapter on the health benefits, a bunch of research that I haven't seen in any other fasting book, uh, new research, stuff from MIT, the University of Southern California, things that they're just now discovering, amazing stuff. Blow, it'll blow your mind. It actually, as I was writing it, um, as I was writing it, it was actually blowing my mind To know that in the wisdom of God, that he created the system of fasting, not just with spiritual benefits, but as the creator of your body, he knew all of the health benefits, obviously, that fasting would have when you do it. So um, all kinds of great stuff, spiritual benefits of fasting, the natural benefits of fasting, probably going to be the most controversial chapter in the entire book. It's called the danger of the Daniel fast, the danger of the Daniel fast. Uh, question from Letty, would it be on ebooks before fasting starts? Yes, it will. Uh, to my knowledge, we will be able to upload uh, the ebook to Kindle and Apple Books, Letty, within the next couple of days. So if you guys are more ebook people, uh, we'll be making that announcement, but it should be live this week, it's hopefully by the end of this week, live um, in the uh, Kindle store and the Apple Bookstore for those of you that like to get ebooks. Uh, so we're just waiting on the files to come back, but once they do, we're going to get them up for you guys. And, uh, that was the plan to have it available before the fast begins. And so the fast is beginning on January the 2nd. Uh, Lena says prime won't deliver till the third. That's okay. Cause that's the very beginning of, of the fast and you've got almost a whole month to get through it. And of course we'll be, we'll be doing teaching on it while the fast is going. Um, Britt said, how do I get mine signed? <laughs> we'll have to do signed copies later when I see you, I'll sign it, obviously, Britt. Uh, yes, David, I am going to be working on an audible version of this book. Uh, and then we're going to be going back through as time, uh, allows us to, uh, all the other books that I've, I've written as well. We're going to try to do audible versions of, but we're going to start with this one. Uh, and so I'm going to do my very best to, to record the audible version and get it out. I've been wanting to do that anyway. So yes, uh, we're going to be live. I don't know, Letty, if we're going to be live every single day, like including Saturday and Sunday. Um, we might throw Saturdays in. I don't know if we're going to be doing Sundays, but uh, dur- during the time that we fast, we may throw Saturdays in as well. Um, but I'll be, I'll, I'll be letting you know about that. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, so it's very exciting. Throw the slide back up one more time. The book is live on Amazon Uh, This is by far the longest book and the most exhaustive book um, that I've ever written. This book is like 254 pages. Uh, It'll cover all your, and listen, if this doesn't cover all your questions, (laughs) I don't know what to do. You can send us an email, do our very best. But uh, to answer your question, I think Susan just asked, the book is called A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, and it's now available on Amazon. Dot com ebooks coming very soon congratulations eric having a baby today safe delivery in jesus name so yes that's happening it's up it's ready to go uh and of course we'll have uh, copies in um if you're joining us in live services in you know january february march we'll have copies for you uh, during those revivals. The only one I don't think we're going to be able to make it to is the very first revival of the year, which is Danville, Virginia. It's just, uh, because it's happening so quickly. Uh, it starts on what the third through the seventh, three, four, five, six, six through the sixth. And so, um, we probably won't have copies there, but starting in Roswell, Georgia, World Harvest Church, we're going to be having uh, copies available for you guys live too. So I'm very excited about this and I'm so happy that I got the, the, the the deadline, the cutoff before the fast. I'm just telling you, it was basically me in a cave writing for the last two months to make sure you guys had this before the fast. And so today's the day and I'm very, very excited about that. And thank you to everybody that's already placing orders Uh, for the book. And I'm glad you're going to be able to get it by the 3rd of January. makes me happy that you will have it. We'll have it at at least. We'll have it at kickstarters in February as well. Um, But I I have a feeling, and and I'm I'm not saying this because the book is now out, but I have a feeling in this new year of 2021, as we're setting ourselves aside for, uh, you know, we're standing on Isaiah uh, 40, 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Cody. They'll run uh, and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Uh, I have a feeling that 2021, as we're pressing in to, um, to see that kind of divine momentum and impact in our lives, ministries and businesses and families, it's going to be a year where we will be fasting throughout the year, you know, taking time throughout the year to fast. And, um, that's something that we encourage in the book anyway, Jesus expected kind of a life of fasting. It's interesting because in the Bible, there were no, uh, prescribed number of fast or excuse me, lengths of fast for new Testament believers. Of course, for old Testament, uh, followers of the Lord, they had days like the day of atonement and others where they fasted for a specific set period of time. But in the new Testament, uh, although fasting is expected of every Christian, uh, there is no command from Jesus, from the apostles, from the Lord himself, from God. There is no length commanded in the New Testament to fast. And so uh, we do have to be led by the Spirit. Actually, three things. L- let, me, let me say this. few ways that you may decide how long you're going to f- uh, fast. Of course, we're calling a corporate fast. So that's one of the ways. One of the ways that you may determine how long you're going to fast is you set in your heart a time by faith, which is what we're doing at the beginning of the year. We're saying, I'm going to take 21 days to fast and pray and believe God for the greatest year that I've ever had, the greatest impact, uh, everything. And so the Lord's not leading us necessarily And telling us by leading, you need to fast 21 days, but we're setting it aside in our heart by faith and saying, I'm going to seek the Lord for these 21 days as we start the year and believe God for increase. So that's one of the ways that you may determine uh, a fast. You may say, I'm going to set it in my heart. Another way is you may say, the Lord may speak to you and and give you a time where where the Holy Spirit says, you need to set yourself apart for these three days. And you need to seek my face. That's the leading of the Spirit. Uh, and the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So every Christian is called to be led by God's Spirit. And so that, that's the second way you, you may determine how long you fast. If it's not something you determine in your heart, the Holy Spirit may lead you and say, Take these three days, take these seven days, set yourself apart, fast and pray. Uh, And then third, the third way that you may determine how long you're fasting is you may fast and pray, believing for an answer. And you might fast and pray until you get your answer. And that, that's seen in the Bible as well, is that you're not necessarily setting a number of days. You've got a goal. I need to hear from the Lord. I need something to change. I'm going to fast and pray until I get my answer from the Lord, and so those are the three real main ways that you can determine how long you're going to fast and pray. But uh, what I'm what I'm encouraging you is this: the only thing you cannot do in, in your leading of deciding on your own is you can't decide not to fast, <laughs> because Jesus in the New Testament uh, was being questioned by John's disciples. And they said this, they said, how come we fast and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus answer was this. You don't fast when the bridegroom is with you, but there will be a time where I'm taken away and then my disciples will fast. So you can see by the way, Jesus is answering their question. He said, when I leave the earth, Those that are my followers, my disciples, that's every one of us watching this broadcast, they will fast. And then you can see after Jesus' death and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, there was a pattern of fasting in the New Testament. That the apostles fasted, the Christians fasted. And did you know this? That we have a record um, through historical writings of the Christian church that every Christian, for like the first 300 years of Christianity, fasted for two days every week, every single week. And they weren't two consecutive days, but they were two days that were spaced apart. So two 24-hour fasts every single week. And uh, they did that because uh, the Pharisees were doing that. But Jesus spoke to them and said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. And it became a tradition of dedication for the church, for Christians, to fast two days every single week, and that continued for hundreds of years. And they specifically did it on different days than the Pharisees. And it's funny because uh, they write in their in their writings, the historical writings, that we don't fast on the same day days as the hypocrites do, <laughs> referencing what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Um, and so that was a practice. You can see it continued on. Jesus' uh, expectation continued on. Erica is asking on Facebook, I read no caffeine question mark. Um, we don't have that rule um, when we fast and pray. We still drink coffee. We still drink tea. Trust me. Uh, you know, whoever's going to be super legalistic about fasting, and I don't mean you should be loose about it, but when you don't eat any food for 21 days, caffeine or not your body feels the fast if you don't think that's enough now listen if you feel to do a water only fast I'm not against that we see that in the bible um you know I just what I'm trying to do is we're leading people into fasting and prayer I want people to actually be able to do it and one of the things that I will tell you especially if you're not in full-time ministry uh, if, you're, if you're going to do a water-only fast, where that's all you're taking in is water, you need to have the ability to shut yourself away and focus just on, on prayer, fasting, and the reading of the Word. If you're going to be working, if you're going to be doing stuff and going out, and you, you, listen, it's going to be taxing, very taxing on you uh, to only drink water. And let me say this, Jesus... Uh, obviously, was in the wilderness and was fasting and praying, only took water. But, but understand something. He was in the wilderness. He wasn't working. He wasn't laying hands on the sick. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't holding meetings. He was focused. He, sh- he went out there for a purpose, to get away. And if you uh, are somebody that can't shut yourself away from work and everything else, I just want you to be able to fast and stay on the fast and fast and pray and read the word. So I, that's why we encourage people, we're doing an extended fast, 21 days. Uh, it's okay to drink juice. It's okay to have some soup broth. It's okay to drink your coffee and it's okay to have tea uh, and all that. So most of the time, people that will condemn you because you're having caffeine, oh, it must be a real hard fast, so you're having your coffee. They usually are about 200 pounds overweight. And probably haven't fasted in their entire lives. And so I noticed that the people who are uh, super legalistic are usually the people that don't do it. People that do fast don't condemn other people for how they fast. Um, so as long as it's biblical. So I, I want, yeah, Nespresso will not be neglected. That's exactly right, Billion. Um, And I'm saying that because I've seen it happen over the years. So don't be condemned by legalistic people. Jump on the fast with us. Starting January the 2nd through the 22nd, grab a copy of the book. Uh, It will help you. It will help you immensely. Um, I'm not saying this because I wrote it. This was my desire. I wanted there to be a book that was uh, completely exhaustive. It covered everything about fasting. I really wanted there to be that. And if there was, if there had been one, I would just be recommending that book to you. Um, the closest possible thing that there was before this book, uh, in my opinion is the book that's, that was written by Arthur Wallace, God's chosen fast, which we've given out on this broadcast. Um, I can't remember. We did that for one of the months though, this year, didn't we, Tiffany? We, we gave that book away for everybody that sowed seed into this ministry. Um, thank you, Ava. But, uh, you know, that book was written decades and decades and decades ago. And there's been updated research since then, which we include, um, and, and even more. So I've got some of the things we cite from Arthur Wallace's book, God's Chosen Fast. But my goal in writing this was to give you a tool that literally answered every question And that um, was completely, it covered every, we cover all the fasts in the Bible, all the lengths in the Bible, why people fasted, uh, all of those things. We want you to have a complete understanding uh, of biblical fasting. And here's why, you know, people make fun of this, you know, people make fun of people that fast, they make fun of fasting. I've noticed that like, it's almost like, you know, it was an expectation of Jesus in the first Three hundred years that was done, and then people started equating fasting with like uh, religious fanatics. You know, like like you're just a fanatic, or you're just you're just uh, you're you're a little overly overly spiritual if you're fasting and praying, or they'll equate you with some other religion like Muslims. You know, well, what are you what are you doing it like the Muslims do, or you know the Hindus? Uh, If you study history, obviously. Christian fasting's been around uh, for hundreds of years, hundreds of years before Islam even existed as a religion. Before there were any other religions like that, Buddhism, Hinduism, there was Christianity and before that Judaism for thousands of years and they fasted and prayed as directed by the Lord. So don't let people make you feel like you're weird because you fast and pray They should feel weird that they don't because it's commanded in scripture that we do it. And so I've noticed that, that when anybody wants to get all, wants to jump into fasting and prayer, there's always going to be somebody that the enemy sends to either discourage you from doing it, to mock you for doing it, uh, to say you're not doing it right or whatever to discourage you. Don't listen, stay focused, stay on it. And let God use it to bless you. And that's why I'm going to kind of cover this today in the broadcast. We're going to be talking about attracting God's favor in 2021. And you can attract God's favor. You can attract his grace. Grace is not unmerited favor. I want to say that. Put it in the comments if you're watching. Grace is not unmerited favor. The only grace that is unmerited is salvation. That's the only one. It's the only one. So when you hear people say grace is unmerited favor, that's not scriptural. I'm going to show it to you today. It's not scriptural. The only grace that is unmerited is salvation. That's the only one. But everything else is merited by actions of obedience. That's seen in scripture and I'm going to show it to you in a moment. Grace is not unmerited favor. It's merited A merit, something gained by what you did. A merit is just something that was gained by what you did. Actions of obedience. And that's in the scripture. And so it's actually in the scripture multiple times, which the Holy Spirit would not have done if he didn't mean what he said. It's found in 1 Peter 5, 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. It's found in James chapter 4, which is where I'm at right now. So if you want to join me, I'm in the book of James I'm in the fourth chapter, and I'm going to show you once again that uh, favor or grace is merited, not unmerited. There are things you can do that will attract God's favor to your life. And uh, here we are in, in James chapter 4, and let me let me read this to you. The Bible says in the sixth verse, but he, and it's referencing God, but he gives more grace see that God he gives more grace so you can have amounts of grace there's not just grace and it's like some you know dedicated amount for everybody you can gain more grace or favor you can have less grace or favor so see this It says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but does what? He gives grace to the humble. So, let me ask you a question, because this this answers the whole thing. Who determines if you're humble or not? God or you? Do you determine your own humility? Or does God determine your humility? You do. So if you make a choice to humble yourself, now see, here's the key. If you'll make a choice to humble yourself, then God makes a choice to do what? Send more favor to your life. If you make a choice to be proud or arrogant, the Bible says, what does that attract? It attracts destruction and a fall. The Bible tells us that in the book of Proverbs chapter 16, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so those two elements or personality traits will attract two different things. Pride and arrogance will attract destruction and cause you to fall Whereas humility will attract grace and favor from God. It attracts grace and favor, but God's not going to force you to be humble. It's a choice that you have to make. And when you make it, the Bible says this, and I love this because this, um, people don't understand this principle, but it's, it's an amazing principle because there's this mindset in, in Christianity, like. Well, you know, because God knows everything, God is, you know, all knowing he's omniscient. And because he knows everything, he knows what I need. And because he knows what's best for me at the time when he sees fit, he will pour out his blessings upon my life because he knows all, he knows what I need. He knows what I need. But see, that's not scriptural because you can provoke God to move on your behalf you can provoke, and there is a responsibility for every one of us to approach him first. Do you see that? We have a responsibility to approach him first. He, the Bible doesn't teach that he's going to approach us and then we okay his approach You know, like we're the tower at an airport with an airplane trying to get ready to land. Tell them it's okay that they approach the runway and land. No, we don't okay God's approach. He said, if you want my presence, if you want my power, if you want my favor, if you want my goodness, approach me, approach me. And that's what we see here in the book of James, because uh, it blows my mind that we have that responsibility and so many people push it to the side. Let me read it to you. Submit, now now I've read six, now we're jumping over to verse seven. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will do what? Flee from you. Now look at the next words. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. Verse eight. And he Will draw near to you. Stop there. Submit your. So how do you submit yourself to God? In humility. Humility searches uh, out his presence. Humility approaches him. Submit yourself to God. Draw near. And it tells you how. Draw near unto God. And he will draw near unto you. Huge, huge lesson to learn. Because those people who are waiting for God to move will be waiting for a long time. If they're just waiting for God to move, they'll be waiting for a long time. And so that's the key. We have to take a step. This is why we're starting in January. On January the 2nd, we're taking our step. On January the 2nd, we're approaching him. On January the 2nd, we're petitioning him for his goodness. What are we going to do? We're going to go after God with everything we have. We're going to pursue his presence. You know, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. In fact, I want you to uh, go back with me to the book of Psalms. And I'm looking at Psalm 84. Um, Psalm 84 and verse 11. Uh, this is something that we all need to see because it further explains what I'm talking about. Psalm 84, 11, listen to this. In fact, I'm going to read verse 10 with it because you're going to understand why the psalmist taught better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. You know, we've, we've heard that we've sang the song. But many people separate these two verses like they're independent of each other, but they're not. They go together. And I'm going to show you why. Listen to verses 10 and 11 of Psalm 84. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now look at verse 11. Here's why. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. And he bestows favor and honor and will not withhold any good thing. From who? Wait, stop there. From who? From those who walk uprightly. Do you see that? That is the provocation. That's how you provoke God. That's how you provoke God. He will not withhold any good thing from who? People who choose to walk uprightly. And when you walk uprightly, the Bible says that he then bestows favor. You can can attract his favor by humbling yourself and walking uprightly. And that's what we're going to do in 2021. I don't care how good 2020 was for you. And we've got all the testimonies. 2021 is going to be better. It's going to be better. And so here's what we're doing. We are drawing near to God via our humility and through our actions of obedience. That's what this verse is talking about. Actions of obedience to his word. And when we obey his word, he won't withhold any good thing from you and your family. Not one, not one. God has blessed us so abundantly And the only thing I can attribute it to is his word and obedience to his word. It's not because I'm special. It's not because my name is Shuttlesworth. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's not because I come from a family of preachers. It's because of obedience to his word. Now, is there generational blessing and impartation? Absolutely. That's why I wrote my previous book, Further Faster. That's why I wrote that. Because there is generational blessing. There is generational impartation. But what is that? It's just generations of people who have obeyed the Lord. That's all it is. And then he doesn't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. That's the powerful thing. And so I want you to see it. That's why better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. Is because when you come into his courts... With humility and obedience, he bestows favor. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments with me right now. I will experience his favor in 2021. I mean, just declare it on December the 28th, because we're only three days away from crossing over. And I want you to declare it ahead of time. I will experience his favor in 2021. That's I'm telling you, we're going to see it. We are going to see it, and I thank God, because this has been the greatest year that we've ever had in the history of our ministry, but this coming year will be greater than anything that we saw this year, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I will, what's up Isaac, I will experience his favor in 2021, without question, I'm going to, I'm going to see it happen. That's it. Write it in the comments. Make your declaration early. It's going to be better, 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 better in Jesus name. Better, better, better in the mighty name of Jesus. And so what do we do? We pursue him. We pursue him. Let me show you an Old Testament example of this. Second Chronicles... Chapter 7. This is a, a well known passage of Scripture. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7. Listen to this. The Bible says in verse 14, this is 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people, this is God speaking, by the way, if my people, Who are called by my name. Humble themselves. That's what we've been talking about. Humble themselves. And pray. And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Hmm. And I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. You see that? And so the only difference in the New Testament here is that you don't have to fast for the purpose of repentance. We deal with that in the book. It was one of the ways that people repented of sin in the Old Testament. We don't have to do that in the New because we have Jesus, a high priest, and the Bible says in, in uh, 1 John chapter 1, if, we were, if we'll confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there is forgiveness for sins. You don't have to fast to get it. You don't have to sacrifice an animal to get it. You can just ask for forgiveness. But notice, the other things that have not changed, because 1 Peter deals with it, James deals with it, if we will humble ourselves. Now, if you didn't know this, uh, one of the ways in the Bible to humble yourself was to fast. Sometimes, when that term is used in scripture, uh, and he humbled himself, it's speaking in context of, and he fasted. To humble himself in fasting. And so one of the ways they humbled themselves was to fast. You know, when you're operating, let me just say this. When you're operating in pride, that is your flesh nature or your carnal nature rising up and taking over. Let me say that again in case you've not heard this taught before. When you're operating in pride, it's not your spirit man that's taking over. Your spirit man that is saved, that's a Christian, that's a new creature in Christ Jesus, it only does what's pleasing to the Lord. It's, a new, it's united with Christ, one with Christ. So if you do commit a sin as a Christian, that's not your spirit man sinning. It's your carnal nature, your flesh nature that's rising up and taking control or being allowed to have control And decisions made out of the flesh rather than the spirit. And so one of the ways to humble yourself, the reason fasting is a way to humble yourself, is because it weakens the flesh and allows the spirit to take over. See, here's what many people don't get. Is that every person, every believer, every unbeliever is a three-part being. You are a spirit. In fact, every person watching, I want you to write this in the comments. I am a spirit. That needs to be seen first because it's the most important part. And it's the part that should take control if you're a believer. I am a spirit. Put it in the comments. That's part one of you. And if you don't understand the three part being then you'll miss a lot of the favor of God. I am a spirit. And see, when you get saved, <clears throat> not only are you united with Christ in baptism, but the Bible teaches in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, that your spirit man is renewed every single day. Did you know? If you haven't seen that, it's 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. Paul is teaching this to the church that God actually takes the steps to renew your spirit, man, every day. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it's found in verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer man is perishing or wasting away this translation says our inner man is being renewed day by day 2 Corinthians 4 16 and so that inner man is new every morning renewed every day it wants to please God it's perfect before God it's united with Jesus Christ but what else do you have so we write I am a spirit second thing I want you to write I have a soul. That's the second thing. And one of the biggest mistakes that we could make is it's not just a matter of terms. It is a mistake because uh, if we don't get this right, we'll think they're the same thing. Your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. Your soul and your spirit are two different things. Your soul is your mind, your will, And your emotions, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so the reason I want you to see this is because if you are driven by or if you are led by your soul, you'll always be in trouble. What your your emotions want, what your uh, mind is telling you, especially if it's not renewed. (laughs) If your mind's not renewed, you're in trouble, especially if it's running your life. See, you'll always be emotions driven if you're not spirit led. You'll always be emotions driven if you're not spirit led. And so you are a spirit. That's who you are. But you have a soul. I've got a mind. I've got a will. I have emotions. I'm not trying to say that they don't exist. I have them but they don't run my life. I can't allow them to run my life. Can you imagine if all you did, you looked out and saw something and became fearful about it, and then all your decisions are based on fear because of your soul. That's soulish. That's not based on God's word. That's not spirit-led or spirit-driven. So I am a spirit. I have a soul that has to be renewed. My mind has to be renewed with the word of God and prayer. And finally, number three, I live in a body. I live in a body. That's the third part of every believer and unbeliever. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. And in fact, there's one verse of scripture, if you didn't know, that mentions all three of them in one verse. And it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, listen to this. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see Paul writing to the Thessalonian church mentions all three of them in one verse. Let me read that part again. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does fasting do uh, when it comes to this? Well, here's what we need to understand is fasting is a tool. And one of the things that it does, it's not the only thing that it does. And the reason I say that is because there have been a lot of people that teach that this is the only thing fasting accomplishes. It's not the only thing, but it's one. It disciplines your flesh and it weakens the carnal nature. Let, let me tell you, that, that's why I don't, and we, we, we went through multiple edits on this in the book, but this is one of the reasons that, you know, when people, as Zach said this jokingly earlier on in the comments, you know, I'm fasting TV. That's, that's why I don't uh, recommend doing that as a fast. It, it's not what biblical fasting truly is. It's not what biblical fasting is. There are people who give up things. They'll give up television or video games or they'll give up Netflix or the, their phone or social media, whatever. And I agree that those are good things to do when you are truly fasting. Because they can distract you, they can take you off of your purpose, Um, they can waste your time, and so they are good to do, but if that's all you did, you're not fasting according to the Bible. What fasting truly is, is not eating food. Fasting, according to scripture, is just abstaining from food. In fact, the Hebrew word for fasting actually means to close or cover the mouth. That's what it means means to close or cover the mouth. So, yes, I agree that those things should probably also be done, but if it's all you choose to do, you're not fasting. Because let me let me explain something to you. As we're dealing with this concept of weakening the flesh, you can not watch all the TV you want, you can cut out as many social media networks as you want, but your flesh will have the same amount of strength as it did Before you stopped using social media. Uh, The same with television. You can stop watching all the television and Netflix you want. But here's the question. Is your flesh still uh, operating at the same strength? Yes. Nothing takes strength away from the flesh more quickly and more efficiently than a lack of calories. Because do you know? Well, let me, let me say it this way. There were people who were carnal before there was social media. There were people who were carnal before television. There were people carnal uh, before there was, you know, um, Netflix. And so that, that can show you that just because those things were introduced, it doesn't mean that now they're the things controlling your flesh. It's always going to be the same. That's why God instituted it the way that he did. It's always going to be the same. It means you've got to take authority over this flesh and you've got to weaken it. And when you do, that's why the Bible, it's a form of humbling yourself in the Bible because the stronger the flesh is and the weaker the spirit is, you can see who's going to win that fight. I used to do this a lot when I was a youth pastor so that my youth group could understand this concept of uh, flesh versus spirit. And I would always talk about the fact that the battleground is your mind. Because that's where the war many times is won. Is if you don't renew your mind. Then your mind will actually side with your uh, flesh. And now it's two against one. uh, Flesh and soul are are carnal. And they're fighting against uh, spirit. So spirit just has to follow whatever soul and flesh want to do. But if you will... Um, renew your mind and make sure um, that you're thinking God's thoughts, setting your mind on things above, reading the word. Your mind is renewed and it comes over to the side of your spirit man. Now your spirit and your, and your soul are united and the flesh has to follow. The flesh has to be quiet and do what it's supposed to do. And so that's, what's the, that, that's the important thing. But what I used to do is I would have three people come forward and, and stand at the front and have them join arms with me. And I'd say, this is my flesh, this is my soul, this is my spirit. And then I would say, now they both are pulling me in opposite directions. They're pulling. And the person in the middle has to team up with one of these two guys to win the fight. And then I would, I would give that same analogy and show how that if the soul's with the spirit, flesh has to follow. But that's why Paul said that he would subdue his flesh on a daily basis, 1 Corinthians 9.27. You have to do it every day. Your flesh, until it's glorified after the rapture, will always want to do what pleases it. You have to subdue your flesh every single day. You see that? And so mortifying the flesh, crucifying the flesh, as Paul said, is a very important task so that you're not carnal. Was there a question you were trying to show me, Tiffany? Somebody had a a question? I was just teaching and missed it. Uh, Don't we have to punish the flesh? Isn't that what fasting is for? Elizabeth makes a very uh, common argument, especially today, that we have to punish the flesh. Um, There's a term, and I don't wanna get super deep into it in this broadcast, but there's a term that I cover in the book. It's in the frequently asked questions chapter called asceticism. And that word asceticism is basically something that went through changes throughout history. Uh, Fasting is a form of asceticism, which is denying the flesh comforts, if you will. But it got more and more extreme as as the centuries went on. So we went from like what Jesus and Old Testament believers and New Testament believers did, fasting and prayer... And then it moved on to like a more extreme asceticism. This is, got into like monasticism, like what monks and hermits did, where they would like wear coarse hair shirts and put wires in them to like uh, hurt their flesh because the flesh is bad. Uh, And they would start, you know, living in caves or, uh, you know, even monks, you know, they would deny themselves all comforts, you know, all that kind of stuff because the flesh has to have everything good taken away from it. So, you know, whatever. And then it got to the extreme side of asceticism, which was what she's saying. The flesh is bad and must be punished. So anything your flesh likes needs to be taken away from it. Does your flesh like food? Uh, Take food away. Does your flesh like sleep? That's what they would toll the bells in the middle of the night, make you get out of bed to go to a prayer vigil so that you didn't have too much sleep. Uh, Does your flesh like sex? Then you have to take a vow of celibacy uh, anything, any comfort instead of sleeping on a bed, sleep on a rock. You know, the flesh has to be subdued, but it doesn't need to be punished. You see what I mean? It needs to be subdued. It doesn't need to run your life, but it doesn't need to be punished. The flesh, uh, the Bible tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. So as you, um, as you allow your spirit to lead and you grow in strength in the spirit, as you renew your mind, your flesh will then follow suit. It will follow and it has to do what the spirit and soul command it to do. It's not gonna operate independently of your spirit and soul. And so it's important that you understand that. I'm not, we're not talking about punishing the flesh or hurting the flesh or anything like that. We're talking about subduing its desires. That's the important thing you need to see. Subduing uh, the, the the desires. Here's a question. What what, what is the? Uh, I missed the top. I agree with the fasting, but I have a question. I'm feeling in my spirit that the d- tradition of cabbage and black-eyed uh, peas is a form of witchcraft. I used to do this yearly. It was a form of family. Did uh, I fear that if that if this witchcraft would hinder my fasting further wa- warfare? Uh, I don't know about the cabbage and black-eyed peas fast. We don't eat food when we're fasting. There is no food when you're fasting. So I would just, whether it's, whether it's witchcraft or not, I, I don't know. I don't eat cabbage anyway. <laughs> I, there is no cabbage and black-eyed peas when you fast. It's total fasting. Biblical fasting is no food. No food. And uh, you need to probably get into a good church where they're teaching sound doctrine. Um, I wouldn't worry about witchcraft. But that's the, that's the key. You have to understand... In the flesh, the flesh must be subdued, as Paul said. doesn't need to be punished. It needs to be subdued. It needs to have its leadership abilities taken away. In fact, that's a good way to put it. And I want you to write it in the comments. My flesh needs to have its leadership abilities taken away. My flesh needs to have its leadership abilities taken away. Put it in the comments. Because... If you're flesh led or flesh driven, you cannot please the Lord. It's impossible. In fact, I'm going to read that to you from the book of Galatians. I see Pastor Bill Motley. I love you. The book of uh, Galatians talks about this. Paul wrote this uh, to the church. Let, let, me, let me read you what he said. I'm starting in verse 16. It's Galatians 5 16. <clears throat> The Bible says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So let me just stop right there before we go on to 17. Um, It's very important to know that if you will choose to walk by the spirit, if you take the steps necessary to walk by the spirit, one of the ways to do that is to fast and pray. That's right. My flesh needs to have its leadership abilities taken away. Why? Because. Verse 17 is why. Listen to it. Galatians 5, 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. You see that. Your, the desires of your flesh are against The spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other. Talking about the spirit and the flesh to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, here's an interesting thought that I don't know if you've ever seen before. Notice how that verse is worded. This, this should show you something. Notice how that verse is worded. These are opposed to each other, your flesh and your spirit. For what reason? To keep you from doing the things, not not that God wants you to do. Look what, what Paul said. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. So who's he talking to? Who's the you? The you, obviously, is your spirit man, not your flesh. The you he's speaking of is your spirit, because that's truly who you are. You're a spirit man. You're a spirit being. And when he says it keeps you from doing the things you want to do, he means their spirit, because he goes on to explain what their flesh wants to do. Look at this. But if you were led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. So obviously what he's saying is those are the things your flesh wants to do. But if you'll do this, walk by the spirit, you'll not fall into the works of the flesh and you'll be able to do the things you want to do. So what's the point he's making? Your spirit wants to please God. That's the point. Your spirit wants to please God. And when you don't please God, you're not doing the things you want to do. You see? So he's saying that your spirit man's the real you and the spirit man always wants to please the Lord. But this battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit has to be won. If it's not won, you will... Uh, you walk in the desires of the flesh and you'll displease God. So, so look at, look at how he wrote it here, because this, I know that, you know, for some people, this is an elementary concept for other people. They've never heard this before. They've never heard this before ever. They've never heard that the spirit man is the real them, not what they see in the mirror. Look at first Corinthians nine 27 and look how he words that. Cause I quote it all the time. But, and this is big, 1 Corinthians 9.27, but I. In fact, just so that we make the point, just so we make the point really clear, every person watching, type it in the comments. But I. But I write that in the comments section. But I. And what does he go on to say? but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So notice how, do you see that? Do you notice how Paul separates himself from his body? He said, I, the real me, my spirit I discipline my body. He's speaking about his body like it's a different entity. I discipline my body. Who's disciplining his body? His spirit man. His spirit man is making choices that put the body into submission. Hallelujah. My spirit man can make decisions that will put my body into submission. But I discipline my body. Then look at what he says at the end of that verse. Lest after having preached to others, I might be disqualified. Who would be disqualified? His spirit would. His spirit would not go to heaven. His spirit would go to hell. But notice what happens. What would cause his spirit to be disqualified and go to hell? The fact that he didn't discipline his body. You see that I discipline my body so that my spirit won't be disqualified because your body will take actions that please it and then be displeasing to God. So it's, you know, you, you, you realize this Paul's making the, uh, the, the case here, the argument that yes, all three things are connected into one being just in the same way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all connected as God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They are three, but they are one. Right? They are three, but they are one. So for example, uh just just as if, you know, you can't say, well, my, my spirit, my soul, and body are three completely separate beings. Well, no, they're not. They work together. Take your spirit out of your body, guess what happens? your brain dead and your body dies. All the organs stop. If your spirit leaves your body, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means your body's dead and your spirit's living in heaven. So if you remove your spirit man from your body, the soul dies and the body dies. Brain dead, organs are dead. Okay, same thing. Take your brain out of your body. Take the mind, the will and the motions out. Body's dead, spirit's gone. Same thing with the body. Put a bullet through somebody's heart or put a bullet through somebody's brain, kill the body. Guess what? Can't think thoughts anymore and your spirit's gone. Of course, your spirit can think, but what I'm saying is it, they are... Even though we look at them as three different things, they all really operate together. Just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost operate together, the three in one, so you are. Made in his likeness and his image, three in one. And that's why they have to be dealt with separately. You deal with them separately. You don't do the same things to your spirit that you do to your soul, that you do to your body. Okay? And so what Paul's trying to teach is... My spirit man has to be the leader of the three. I've got to let my spirit man lead. And so wh- here's a question. What does it look like when your spirit man leads? And here's maybe where we're, where we're kind of bring this to a close today because we're talking about drawing or attracting the favor of God in 2021. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. By fasting and prayer, we humble ourselves. God said, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And so how do we do that? How do we humble ourselves? We keep the body under submission. We make decisions that allow us to lead with the spirit man. Okay. So let me give you a few pointers here. How do do we make the choice to let our spirit man lead? How do I take leadership ability away from my flesh and give it to my spirit? Well, here's number one. First thing, number one, you obey the word of God. Unequivocally, you obey obey the word of God. That decision alone is a spirit decision because your flesh doesn't want to obey the word of God at all. And your mind won't want to either if it's not renewed. So you look at God's word. What you read in it is what you choose to do. And you do it. That's the number one way to lead by the spirit. Okay. What's another way to make sure your spirit man is leading? Number two is to renew your mind, to renew your mind. If you look in the book of Ephesians chapter five, did you know that the word of God has the ability to wash you? It's a cleansing agent. It's a cleansing agent. Listen to this, uh, Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So the word has the ability to wash you, to cleanse you. One of the ways to renew your mind is to read God's word daily and then set your mind on things above, set your mind on things above. You see that. And so number one, we obey the word. Number two, we read the Word and set our minds. So we're renewing the mind. Obeying the Word, renewing our mind. Number three, you choose to be led by the Spirit of God. So there are things that you'll never find in the Bible. For example, who you're supposed to marry, where you're supposed to go to college, uh, what career path you're supposed to take, what you're called to do. You won't find that in the Bible written. But the Holy Spirit will lead you about all of those things. He's interested about every aspect of your life. And so we have to be led by his spirit. When we're led by the spirit or when we walk by the spirit, we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So when we're led by the spirit, we'll always make the right decision as he leads us. We follow the spirit's leading. We obey the word. We renew our mind. We follow the spirit's leading. You know, it's not, I mean, we talk about it like it's super easy, but your flesh will fight back against that. You know, any decision, any big decision I've ever made in my life that the spirit led me to make my flesh thought, this is crazy. I mean, this, this is crazy. I mean, how's this going to even work? How's this going to even happen? How's this going to your, your flesh doesn't understand it. And many times your mind will not be able to process it or you'll not be able to figure it out in the natural realm. But that's faith. Faith obeys the leading of the spirit, even when it does not understand how that works. Christina, I believe that God has a plan for every individual. And it makes sense to me that if He has a plan about every other aspect of your life that marriage would be the same. Marriage is such an important decision uh, for every person's life. I would be led by the Spirit in, in prayer about who to marry. I fast, I include that story and you've heard me tell it before. I fasted and prayed for three days before even approaching Carolyn about a relationship because I believe it's that important. I've seen ministries, uh, you know It'll make or break you. Your, your marriage will make or break you. And so I, I truly believe that if God has a plan for every other aspect of your life, why would he not have a plan for your marriage? And I believe that he does. Be led by the Spirit. Be, led. Be very careful to understand, to hear, or to feel peace versus a check in your spirit. The reason I say that is, this is a key for those being led by the Spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 12, that you will go out in joy and be led forth by peace. Joy is an element that propels you forward. It's a fuel that propels you. Peace is an element that will lead you. So here's just a rule of thumb. If I'm making a decision and I've got three options, I will pray about those options and I'll say, Lord, which one is it? Which is the decision that I should make? And then i many times I'll meditate on those things as, as I'm praying to God. Maybe I'm praying in the Holy ghost and I'll just kind of think about each decision as I'm praying or being led by the spirit. And I can feel like if I see myself making decision one, I can feel in my spirit, like a check, like that doesn't feel right. But then, let's say decision two is the one the Lord has for me. I can feel, like when I, when I sit there and imagine or meditate on, on that decision, making that decision, it's like I can feel perfect peace moving forward with decision two or option two. It's like, one, I feel a check. I don't feel good about it. Three, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Two, I feel perfect peace. We are led by peace. The Lord's not going to lead you. I mean, l- let, me, let me show you something. I mean, this is so important because people get into bad life decisions because they thought it was a good decision at the time, but they really didn't have peace about it. Let me say this. I know people that have married other people and then later it ended terribly. And they said, you know what, we I really didn't have peace, did I? I just we were so in love? Or or somebody's family member will tell me, like, we didn't have peace about our daughter marrying that guy or our son marrying that girl. But you know what? We didn't want to say anything. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead you. He's trying to give you a heads up. It's like a GPS calling out voice-guided navigation. He's trying to lead you. Why would you ignore? A check in your spirit. Why would you ignore the Holy Spirit giving you a warning? And then you see the end result of it. It doesn't end well. Yeah, Lynn Ann said, anytime I've ever gone past the check, I was sorry. It does cost you time and heartache and all. It's exactly right. And so don't ignore the check that may be in your spirit or the peace. But look at this. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now look at this. He leads me beside still waters. What kind of waters does he lead you by? Still waters. God's not leading you into a a place of chaos, turmoil, calamity. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's not leading you into a place of Uh, anxiety, depression, fear. He doesn't do that. Leads you beside still waters, still waters. And you say, well, what about people that God's leading to fight a battle? Yes, look at David. David fought a battle. God brought him to where he was and then he saw it, heard it. But where does it say anywhere in 1 Samuel 17 that God brought David to the battlefield and then David stood there shaking in his boots, afraid. Was David afraid or did David have peace to fight the giant? Did he have faith to fight the giant? Did he step out with boldness to fight the giant? Absolutely. Bible does not say that he was standing out there, led to the battlefield as a 15-year-old boy by the Lord, and he's standing in front of Goliath, shaking in his boots, afraid. God knew he was ready. He had strength. He had boldness. He had the experience. He had already fought a lion and a bear. God didn't lead into a place of no peace. He led him into victory. And that's what I want you to see. He leads me beside still waters, still waters. And that's key. And I want you to hear that for your future. Anytime God leads you, guess where he's leading you? Still waters. Even though, let let me make this distinction. There were many times I didn't know why the Lord was leading me to do a certain thing. I did it anyway. I knew he was leading me. I could feel the leading. I heard the word of the Lord. I felt the peace about it as I prayed, sometimes fasted. But my mind didn't understand it. So because my mind didn't understand it, well, I'm not going to do that. No, I did it, but I had perfect peace. So let me separate these two things for you. There's a difference between having full understanding and perfect peace. They're not the same thing. I have no idea why we're talking about the courts of heaven. I'm not teaching on that. Try to focus your mind on what I'm teaching. Teaching about fasting and prayer and, and attracting the favor of God. So, so listen to what I'm saying. The difference between perfect peace peace and full understanding they're not the same you don't have to have full understanding in order to have perfect peace you see so i want you to, i want you to write that in the comments full understanding and perfect peace are not the same thing full full understanding and perfect peace are not the same thing put that in the comments cuz here And and I'm I'm dealing with it here at the end because this throws Christians off and they choose to not follow the leading of the spirit because they say, well, I don't understand that. Why would God lead me to do something that I don't understand? Because it takes faith to do it. That's why. That's why. Full understanding and perfect peace are not the same thing. If you're going to wait, let me say it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six six, and they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So catch this with me today. If you understood fully every single thing God asked you to do, it wouldn't take faith to do it. So, oh, now I know why he's telling me to do that because this is going to be the outcome and then this will be the outcome and then that'll be the outcome. I totally see. I'm going to go ahead and do it. That doesn't take any faith. It takes no faith. And we need faith in order to please him. He doesn't always reveal why he's asking us to do a certain thing. And many times we don't know until after the obedience is already there. And so full understanding and perfect peace. I just trust in him. I trust that if he's telling me to do this. If he's telling me to do this. And I pray and I feel peace to make that move. I don't have to know why. I don't even know why. Many times I don't know why, but I make the move. I do the thing because he spoke it and I feel the peace and I'm led by peace. He leads me beside still waters. And I want you to hear that because there will be things in 2021 that the Lord is asking you to do. And it may not make sense to your mind, may not make sense to your mind. But if you feel the peace in your spirit to move forward with that leading that, that God's given you and to do that, do it. Don't delay, don't put it off, do it. Make that move. <clears throat> Can I say this to you? I would rather step out by faith and miss it than I would to never step out at all to be safe. Let am to say that again. Because faith in the natural feels like a risky business. It's like you're jumping off a cliff not knowing where you're going to land. I would rather step out by faith and miss it than I would to never step out at all to be safe. I'd I'd rather make my error moving forward in faith to please God than I would... To just hold back and say, well, I don't know if I ever really did hear anything. And you know, I, I would rather miss it on the um, the active side rather than the passive side. Because at least I'm attempting to please the Lord and to follow the leading of his spirit by obedience. I'd rather err in attempting to obey the voice of God than I would on the other side. And that's how I want to live my life. Do you know what scares me more than failing forward? Never doing anything at all. That's what, that's to me, that's what brings the most trepidation. It's not trying and failing. That doesn't scare me because I can try again and try again and try again. And I believe that if the Lord's leading you, you'll, you'll be victorious. But you know, what really bothers me is people that want to play it so safe. They never do anything. You get to the end of, the, of your life and you've never done anything for the Lord because you were playing it safe. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that moved forward, kept taking ground. And if I need a course correction, if I need an adjustment, if I need a new direction, I'll get it. I'll get it. But I'll get it in the midst of moving forward because faith always moves forward. It always moves forward. And faith pleases God. And I feel like God's that way. He'd rather have us step out in an attempt to obey his voice than he would to ever have us just sit back. And I agree with Lynn Ann. The Bible says in James, faith without works is dead being alone. See? And so I'm I'm excited. And I'm going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast, but I am so excited for what this new year is going to bring to us through our obedience and faith, our, our actions of dedication to the Lord, to the kingdom. I'm ready to see you explode in favor. Explode in favor. We're going to run with a new momentum in 2021. We're going to accomplish more than we ever have in this brand new year. Get your faith ready. God has good things planned for you. We're going to take hold of them with violent faith and see God move like we know that he will. But what do we do? Draw near unto God and he'll draw near unto you. So January the 2nd through the 22nd is going to be our corporate fast. And we're gonna be joined uh, by people around the world. We're gonna press in, we're gonna pray, we're gonna see God move. Uh, Also, I mentioned this earlier, but we're going to have a Bible reading plan available for you for the first 90 days of the year. where we're gonna read through the entire Bible in 90 days, January, February, March. And uh, maybe you've never read through the entire Bible before, cover to cover, We're going to do it together at the start of the year. So the first month we're going to be fasting. First three months we're going to be reading through the Bible together. We'll have a printable PDF and plan for you guys that you can uh, get into at the beginning of the uh, the month, January. And uh, it's going to be great. We're going to take every step possible to pursue God's presence and to see him bless us, and move his hand of blessing in our direction. And we will have that happen in Jesus' name. Best year we've ever had. Let me pray for those of you that are watching. And then I'll give you a couple of more things uh, today before we go. But Father, in Jesus' name, we are ready. We're ready for your presence. We're ready for your power. Thank you for everything you've done this year. Thank you for all that you've done in 2020. Thank you for your, every, every phase of victory that you've given us. We thank you for your favor, your goodness, your glory. Thank you for violent increase and expedited favor. But now we have a faith and an expectancy that in the next year, we're going to run like we never have. We're going to see more accomplished than we ever have. We're going to make a greater impact than we ever have. We expect it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray you give us a hunger like we've never had for your spirit, for your presence, in the mighty name of Jesus your word declares blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled we expect to be filled in 2021 in the mighty name of Jesus we love you and we thank you ahead of time in Jesus name amen let me say it if you just logged on you didn't know the brand new book the a complete guide to fasting and prayer is now available You can get it, it will get to you before the fast begins. If you're a Prime member on Amazon, um, you can go to Amazon and search the title or go to our website, shop.miracleword.com. At the very top, we have a link to Amazon because we want it to be in your hands uh, before the fast uh, is over and really as as it begins. The ebook will be available within the next few days, this week really, before the fast starts. And so we'll make that announcement as it happens, but it's going to be available on Amazon Kindle and Apple books. And so the, uh, the ebook will be available very, very soon. The paperbacks available right now. Get your copy, get a copy, get, do it, do it with small groups, do the small groups in your church, get together, spend time with us in fasting and prayer, January the 2nd through the 22nd. And, uh, this book will give you everything you need to know, 254 pages, uh, a complete guide let me encourage you one of the things that I'm doing that I want to encourage you to do we've talked about fasting prayer the study of the word I want to encourage you to sow a seed that's going to put you in position for 2021 and maybe you've uh, never done this before but sow an end of the year seed that is significant that will put you in position to be blessed in 2021 we're getting ready to do it At our church, we receive a New Year's Eve offering every year, and we sow a seed that will position us for increase in the new year. And uh, every year we make a goal. Carol and I have been talking about it this last week. Every year we make a goal to sow a larger seed than we ever have in the past before at any given time. We're going to do the same again this year. We're doing it by faith, knowing that God has great, great things planned for us. And so I want to encourage you to sow a seed today or this week, positioning yourself for the new year. You can do that at miracleword.com. You can also use PayPal or Cash App or Venmo if you're in the United States. And um, if not, go to miracleword.com. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you to partner with this ministry uh, every month moving forward. Take a moment to do it. We're feeding hundreds of children every day, preaching the gospel every day, and now We're getting ready to go on television starting in January around the world. And we want you to be a part of it. God is using this ministry by his own power. It's not because of me. It's because of the Lord to touch this world before Jesus comes. You are a part of that. And we appreciate you and say thank you. For this month of December, final few days that we have, we have three options for you. Uh, Three different books uh, on healing. First one is uh, T.L. Osborne's book, Healing the Sick. That's the first book that we have available. If you already have that one, then we have a second book, another classic, F.F. F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer. Those two are two of the best healing classics ever written. And, uh, for those of you that are, uh, standing with us in partnership, $85 or more, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And, uh, you can fill out the form choose which book you'd like and we'll ship it to you Uh, the third book is by my father which is 40 years of marriage and ministry uh his travels around the world all those different things and he'll sign it to you as well uh, to uh to say thank you and so that's our gift to you for the month of december for sewing and we really appreciate it we say thank you for everybody that's standing with us um aj said just purchase the book on the miracle word site Um the only downside to that, AJ, is that it just takes a little longer to get to you because uh we don't have our stock yet. And so the quickest way to get it is through Amazon.com. Scroll up a little bit, there's a there's another question. Um will the book be available as an audiobook? Yes, it will, Erica. Uh I have a goal to record an audiobook version of uh the, the complete guide to fasting. And we want to make that available as soon as we can. I can't tell you when that's going to be, but I do have a plan to do that for all of our books as well. So thank you, Linanne. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Some exciting things happening this week. My nephew, Alex, is going to be joining me on the broadcast one of these days. And he's been going live and speaking to his generation on Instagram every single week. And um, God's been using him. God's called him to preach the gospel, and uh, he's pursuing his call, and so we're going to have him on this week to talk about it. I think Carolyn will be on this week as well. It's going to be great. We love you guys. I can't wait to cross over into a new year, 2021. It's going to be powerful, man. Very, very excited about it. Am I missing any announcements at all, Tiff? Anything that I haven't said that I should say? If you haven't signed up to receive the magazine, receive the magazine miracleword.com forward slash live, brand new winter edition run into 2021 and um, it's going to be great I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it and uh, hope you get your copy if you're overseas don't forget we'll send you a digital copy we love you guys very very much thanks for hanging with me today i'll be back again with you in the morning 10:30 a.m same bat time same bat channel now that's the stuff leaders should be made of